Hi everyone. Today I'm honoured and blessed to chat with a lovely, lovely friend, Cathy Hargaden. She is an amazing Feng Shui master and teacher. She travels around the world and gets invited to speak and give workshops all over the globe. She's also an incredible author and I love her latest book, Seven Days to Transform Your Life. So, Cathy, please tell us, what exactly does Feng Shui mean? Well, the words Feng Shui mean wind and water. They are a focus on nature's basic elements. And it's an observation of how wind and water carve out the invisible and the visible spaces in and around what we look at and also within ourselves really that our minds follow the flow of water we ourselves are 98 percent water so we've got water flowing in and around circulation lymph blood and it's a it's a study of the those two elements that tell us that um, life is about flow and when we become blocked it's a feel there's almost a feeling of we are blocked within ourselves and outside things become blocked there is no process there's no going forward and what the aim in feng shui is especially in the spaces that people live or work in or do business in is to maintain the flow and that includes flow in feeling, communication and action. Thank you. Yes, I'm a big fan of water. So tell us a little bit of background about how you got involved in Feng Shui and where it has led you in your life today. Okay, so well I was living in an apartment in Manchester and I had started this, I started meditating with a group and one person came around one day and she looked at how I had things laid out intuitively, but she happened to say, you've got excellent feng shui, feng shui. And I inquired, what does that mean? And being a Virgo, I guess, um, where we're very much into perfection and pre precision, I started studying it. And then I had a teacher who knew more than I did and started teaching me more in the metaphysical, metaphysics and the esoteric aspect of feng shui and from then on that was 1992 1993 i went on to study it and because i was also a world traveler i started to see how the environments no matter where i traveled were all showing up different kinds of responses from people and the the energy and spaces and places where people lived I began to realise that, you know, this determined a lot of people's own personal perceptions of their, their life, their expectations of life, and it took me into other areas that I never anticipated going. So, for example, areas of sacred geometry. I studied with the John Shell, famous guy who wrote about the ley lines, and uh, Mr. Critchlow, who's written books about all kinds of sacred geometry. Amazing amazing insights into why buildings are built the way they are historically temporary as well but it also took me into the islamic school of art and architecture and the meanings behind you know the geometrical the fine geometrical designs one finds in, in throughout that particular area and also within the jewish areas as well every every culture and religion has an architecture it has a 
an explanation, and it's that explanation is expressed through what's around them, so that it reflects back to them something. All of it is reflecting back to get people to look within themselves and to center themselves and to stay still and be calm. Because in the calmness and the acceptance comes the huge realizations about one's existence um, and search for truth. So, I mean, feng shui, you know, can be taken on many different levels. And I went metaphysical, but I've also responded to the more broadsheet aspect of feng shui, you know, where's your wealth area, your financial area, your health area. Uh, because I do believe that it can transform people's lives um, in, in their own, in the, just within their own worlds. So I've grown and grown. I've had articles in magazines. I've done talks internationally um, out in Tanzania, America, Australia. I've done consultations right across the world, really. And I've also, through the travel, it's, it's made me use the templates of feng shui to view what I'm seeing in front of me. And it is quite amazing. And in the more last years, I'm looking at the concept of the science epigenetics, which even adds more power to function way because what their ideas are, are saying that your environment is affecting the very cells, the cellular structure of your own body and your own perceptions of your own life. So I, I, I went into so many areas, the health area, the business area. I work with somebody in Cyprus who does branding. So how do you brand your business according to the feng shui principles? So it, it touches every aspect of people's lives. Thank you. I'm personally a big fan of Dr. Bruce Lipton, who is the master of epigenetics, as you know. And I think, you know, a lot of people don't realize that sacred geometry is absolutely everywhere. And when people talk about feng shui, they don't realize the depth of feng shui. So I'm so happy that you're here today. And I know you're very experienced. So from your experience, what are the top three things someone should know in order to change the energy or vibration of this space? Well, I have to say at this juncture that feng shui, like you've just acknowledged, there's a lot more deeper insights that it can provide for people. And I tried to teach it to a very, quite an extraordinary level, but it, it goes over a lot of people's heads because they can't deal with even the basics. And I'm not, and it doesn't matter what kind of person it is, it's just the basics. So I've had to come back and start at the beginning for people. So if I wanted to write a, a, a book or if I wanted to create a piece of art. You have to go back to the basics. I need a blank canvas. I need a blank page. And before I can even initiate the feng shui, one of the secrets that is accessible to everybody is, especially in the West, but I've seen it in places like India as well, is you've got to let go of the clutter. You've got to let go of the things that you've been holding on to the kind of things that you've created in and around you that are almost a buffer between your power and the outside world. And often people want to surround themselves with lots and lots of things so that they feel safe. And this is a must. They have to let go of the clutter. And I mean, I don't go, need to go into the whole thing about what Maria Kendo is doing. I, 
mean, that's more about tidying. But there is a deep, deep, deep psychological aspect to clearing your clutter. I can't emphasize enough how letting go, I, I, I've let go of a house which I grew up in, 44 years of stuff that had been acquired. And the emotional entanglements of having things around you for that long length of time or are historically got many sentimental memories to. I mean, I found myself crying over a piece of wood, the emotions attached to it. So think about that, that what you have around you now, whoever's listening to this, even the furniture and what, what you have, mm -hmm. they absorb your emotions and then you attach to them. It's only normal, but it's like if you don't need it anymore and it's blocking you from progressing in your life to something else, to another level, then you have to just let go of it. Well, just to let go, well, that's a whole science. That's a whole metaphysical process. That's what Buddhism is about, is letting go. Meditation, letting go. Maybe whole of life, our whole life journey is about learning to let go. Then you just don't relax. So the first secret is to clear your clutter. And then the second secret, in this order, by the way, there's no point space cleansing your property. Now, people think I mean clearing your clutter when I say space cleansing, but I don't. And what I observed in the East, that they do this daily, this particular ceremony or ritual. And in actual fact, I did watch people when I was a child, the women used to do a ritual of cleaning the front steps of their home. It was, it was a must. And they did that to get rid of the energy of the previous day. So the whole ritual of cleansing your property can involve many different rituals from bringing salt into your bowls and, and leaving the salt there for a few weeks so that the water in and around the moisture is drained into the salt because when you've got water and moisture in the room then water holds memory so whatever thoughts are going on in that small space or large space they're being held in suspension so what the salt does is it draws that water into the salt. So you're throwing away energy, energetic patterns that could have been hanging there for hundreds of years or, or weeks or months. So that's just one example. But there are others like sage cleansing, using the smoking the, the house with, with the sage and lavender, using essential oils of rosemary, using the singing bowls that are traditionally used for cleansing a space, even just clapping. This has been used historically for going in and shaking up the, the, the space. We all know when, say, you've been away on holiday, you come back to your space and you think, I really live here. Because you've been away from it, the energy of where you've been doesn't match the, the fallen energy if there's been nobody there in the property. The, the energy's kind of gone down a bit. It's a bit slow and it's not as light by full of vitality as when you are living there yourself because we are fire people we're fire elements and so are pets that the, the energy is fire so the yang energy has returned to yin energy so the whole space clearing is is essential and our space clears a big house over in canada i did i did one in the same one i was talking about that was 44 years of, of clutter clearing. After the clutter clearing, I space cleared that property. In the First Nation, I spent time with them in northern Canada. They do that all the time. 
In fact, they would never have settled anywhere without cleansing the space and doing a little ceremony to the land. So we think we don't have land underneath us, but we do. And people think that if they move into new homes, there is no energy. But of course there is, because the land itself is exuding the dynamism, the energy of whatever happened there before. You could even have an underground spring, water, could be a Roman archaeological site, who knows? So it could be a, a chemical works, mining site. So that is the second secret. And it's you don't space cleanse a property until you let go of the clutter. Otherwise, all the energy is still around the clutter and you're trying to space cleanse it. Wow, wonderful and tips. Yeah. Well, there's lots more on that. We, we, we'll, we'll be go, going through some of them on a course that we're going to be doing. And then the, the third secret is that everything is coming from you within. So I, I use the term inner feng shui and I do visualizations and cleansing within and clearing the clutter in our space within ourselves so that we can access the secret intelligent information that every person has about themselves and when you have access to that you can then tap into what is the real flow where is the real flow that you want to go towards rather than being coated with society's concepts of where you need to be going because that's packed with an agenda a, a government societal financial economic religious system of where we should be going whereas when you do the inner feng shui which is clearing the, the blocks within and allowing the flow a natural flow within yourself through exercises breathing and meditation and sounds within ourselves then the real truth and the real energy is coming from within so then you can start to match where you truly want to flow and allow that to be showing up in the immediate environment that you have control over. Once you leave your house, you don't have any control. And some people don't even have a house, they just have four walls. But and just as an aside to that, I'm just sent, about to send my book out to a guy in prison in Arizona. And I'm telling him, listen, you probably don't even have a space, you're sharing your space, your four walls with a guy, with, the, with somebody else. But the ultimate space, the ultimate power you really truly have is within you. So read chapter, I said to him, read chapter three and use that space and use it within yourself. And no one can take that from you. So set up your, your room and your space within your, your, your own mind. Yeah, I think it's like when Mandela was in prison for all 20 odd years, he has got a famous quote about nobody can steal your thoughts, your thoughts are yours alone. They are trying to steal them now because they've got all kinds of equipment that are trying to access how we, you know, when we're thinking certain thoughts, you know, it shows up red and other thoughts like that. But we have to take back our power. That's what, I'm, and that's how I teach the Feng Shui is take back your power and use the intelligence of yourself and manifest it on the immediate outside. And some of us are more limited than others. Some have six bedrooms, three room, three bedrooms, one bedroom, one flat, one studio, and then the space gets smaller and smaller. And I've been in all kinds of places, from mansion to studio flats to now, as I said, a guy who has been wrongly imprisoned and I've 
get that book to him as a, a way to become far control over and power over his own space. Uh, That's a wonderful yeah. gift to give him. And yeah. also you mentioned about different sizes of homes and properties and I guess offices and things would come into that. Will oh, your yeah. methods or, or advice work in any area and for anyone and also in any industry? Yes, they would because it's all we're just dealing with space. How our, how our, how that space is managed is based on whoever owns it or lives in it, their perceptions, their own perceptions of that space. They are in charge of what that space is reflecting back to you. No matter how bad it could be perceived, you know, we can change the aroma, we can change the colour, we can change the plant life, um, we can make a, a beautiful space out of, out of anything, but your perceptions have to go there first. I totally agree. Yeah, so even with the guy, I mean, he can start visualising that cell as, as an amazing botanical garden and, and I've actually asked him to focus on doing the vision board so that he put that up in his mind and then manifest it through his mind into the cell so that when he looks he's looking at where he wants to be and his health and his wealth and etc which we'll come on to at another time. So if you look at Google why has Google invested so much into their environments the amazing colours, the fun aspect. They've created lots of, of features, water fountains, roly-poly sofas, places to meditate, places for massage, because they realise that when people are having fun and they're relaxing, guess what? They let go. And it's only when you let go that you discover things about yourself, about life, about what's around you, and create. Because... Google is all about creating new programs, new ideas, and Apple is the same. Um, in fact, the whole of that area in San Jose, um, Silicon Valley, um, and Bangalore in, in India, it's all about colour, creativity, and great music, and they have an amazing amount of freedom afforded to them because the psychologists and the feng shui and all these other people realise that when you give people carte blanche to create, these are the things they need around them. They need colour, they need plants, they need nature, they need the environment to be saying, you are the master creator and think big, think much bigger than you could ever think big ever before. And what would that feel like? So they've all been preened to think that way, supports that. Yeah, I've done a lot of work with our thoughts and our belief systems, so I can understand that. For our listeners, I was wondering, because you mentioned the man in prison, would you be able to give us some more examples of real-life situations with people yeah. who have followed your advice, please? Yeah, sure. Um, I had a clinic. This was to do with an occupational therapy clinic, actually, but I used functionally in that because... Well, I'll give you the examples. So I had one guy who was, uh, I'm going to mention his religion, only because he he surprised me, actually, when he took up on what I was suggesting to him. So he was Orthodox Jewish, and he was suicidal. And he'd been coming to the clinic 
but I was standing in one day and it was his last session. So he was slightly better and he now had to go back to work and it was his business anyway. He was in the legal field. He didn't want to go back. He was resistant. So I said to him, tell me, what's the office look like that you're going back to? So he described it and I said, well, where's your desk? And he told me where his desk was. And I said, what's opposite the, the desk that, you know, when you're sitting down, what's on the wall opposite? He said, it's just a blank wall. So I got him through a series of exercises to look at why is it he was going to work? What is it he wanted out of it? What was the ultimate outcome? What was motivating him? You know, or what had motivated him previously? And could he picture inside himself a view, a scene of why he would be happy to go to work? Because what would be the output? What would be the, the dream? And then I said to him to get something like that and superimpose it and put it on the wall ahead of him. And then I asked him if he had staff. He said yes. I said, right, I want you to make that a nice area for the staff when they go for their teas and the coffees. Because it's very important to make your staff feel at home, at ease, and more importantly, taken care of, nurtured. Because that's when you get the best work out of them, when they're supported and they're working as a team. So he came up with some ideas of the kitchen area. We discussed that. Now, when that guy left, that guy left with a spring and a step. Why? Because he was now taking control over the space that he was about to go into. And he had some ammunition of what he could do to empower himself and help himself return and that transition from having been suicidal, going back into the world that maybe had created that situation. But this time, I mean, we discussed some other things about we could just change as well. But he felt, he left there, you could see with his posture, you could see with the spring in his step, his walking gait, that he now was armed with things that he could use and change for the better and have something inside of him. I also suggested something behind him that would give him strength. And he was, you know, he came up with the idea. I, I don't give people the ideas. I tell them to go to a place inside themselves where they'll find that answer. Yes, I'm a true believer the answers are within. That's a wonderful story. And I'm sure he got his life back on track because now he had a purpose as well. I've got another example there, Bev. I went to see a, I went to see a guy because he was depressed. And, you know, you can talk and talk and talk to somebody who's depressed. And, you know, it, it might lighten the load a little bit for a short time. And a lot of the time, people who are depressed, they don't want to move. They don't want to go up do any exercise, they don't want to move at all, they don't, they sit, their whole demeanour is very, um, almost like slouched, you know, they're, they're stuck, they're stuck, being blocked mentally, emotionally and every other way. So I've got him to look around his environment, just look around and I said, what would you like to change around here? You know, so I'm not asking, I'm not asking him to change him, I'm asking him, because often if I ask people okay, I want you to change your personality. I want you to change what you're doing. Do you think people are going to be able to do that? Definitely not. Definitely not, exactly. It's, it's, it's a, it's a full-on approach, an attack approach. What I do is I go in and I say, I look around, what, what one thing would you like to change around here? So this guy said, 
change the colour of the uh, wall. I said, what to? Because I was talking to him about the elements, the fa fundamental philosophy in feng shui is the five elements of wood, water, earth, metal, and fire. And they all have colours associated with them. So I was talking to him about that. And people always relate to that because it's integral to their own being and nature. So we were talking about the earth element. He said, I'd like an earth colour. So I said, what, apricot? Terracotta, he said terracotta. So I said, that sounds good to me. So when I went back the following week, the guy had painted the walls a terracotta colour. So I didn't ask him to. I just said to him, what the one thing you'd like to change? And what would be the colour? What I did, I took the, I gave the power back to him. Yeah. He had the control of the colour. And what we got to doing is he physically did something. And, and reflected back to him that the control is with him and he has the power to make the changes around him. Yes, everything comes from within. People are always looking outside for the better car, the better dress, the better outfit, you know, bigger and better. And they get a high straight away. However, when your friend has got a bigger boat, bigger car, faster car, etc., etc., then they become depressed again. But it, these are just short fixes, as you know, and mm -hmm. the true life changes come from within. Hey, tell us how you came to write your recent book, Seven Days to Transform Your Life, thanks to Feng Shui. Basically, I've been, I've been writing all my life, really. I've been writing up the courses and writing up about clutter because I've been teaching them. I taught them at, at Salford University and further education facilities, private workshops. And what I noticed was that I started having it like a process in place. Like chapter one would be, you know, like I've already said, clear your clutter. So it follows a flow. You can't do number six until you've done number one. And instantly, I can always guarantee this, that people, after doing step one, are going to feel amazing. And that amazingness just gets greater and greater and greater as you go on. Because you go from not having any power and feeling the bus end of the oppression of the closer to the amazing empowerment of you choosing what it is you're putting in around you and the messages that you're setting up for yourself. So... Um, and, and I, I got to, to to write that book in many different environments. I was I was staying in a castle last year in France, and that was amazing um, space. There was very few people around, so it was a good place to focus. Not many distractions. Then I went on to um, Dubai, and then I went on to India, South India, just south of Trivandrum, and it was an amazing process because you realise that if you are focused on one thing and you want to achieve it. You're, you're dealing with space when you're focused. And when you just want to focus on one thing and you want to get this book written, it's amazing because you start to see how many other distractions come in and take you away from that. And it's the same for clutter. If you've got a focus, you can't see the focus. You can't see the one point of focus because all, all the things around you are coming into your space and distracting you from that very focus. That's a metaphor, really. I could see that while I was writing the book. It was a metaphor for exactly what it is I was writing about. I had to write the book because it's been within me for most of my life, really. Before I even heard of feng shui, as a child, I was akin to 
despite my religious upbringing, I actually always favor the more spiritual, pagan aspect of nature and a very strong affiliation with the Native Indians, the First Nation, of whom I later on in life found myself staying with. Not because it was planned, because it happened that way. And the Aborigines in Australia and the Maori of New Zealand, many others that I've come across along my indigenous Indians that we don't often hear about in Mexico, Latin America. That's a very strong strong affinity with me as a child. So before, before I came across Feng Shui, I was already on that road. So all the insights and the revelations that I've written in the book have actually have come from some of my childhood days. You know, wow. And, you know, on my own journey of wanting to choose to be in environments that help me thrive as opposed to, you know, crush me or denigrate I can yeah. truly relate to what you're saying. I understand the focus and I teach people to focus. However, when it comes to myself, I've had a book inside me probably since childhood like yourself. However, my focus is probably like a child, two minutes in, two minutes there. And everything comes in. I get so many distractions. So it's so easy to follow the distractions and not really focus on this. So I'm guessing this might be one of the common problems that people experience in implementing Feng Shui. Would you agree with that? Or what would be the most common problem? I just think people are full up, especially in the West, where I think there is a, a, subtle, a subtle agenda for consumption. Consume, consume, consume. So we are consuming beings with information and knowledge as well as things. And so it's very difficult to focus because we've acquired so many things. And also it's generational that maybe, you know, your mom, my mom, they didn't have anything in, in maybe the war years. And so when they did come into better times, they accrued and they kept hold of things for fear that they wouldn't be able to get them again. You know, who knows what mindsets are created out of scarcity, for which our generations have never known what it's like not to eat, not to have enough. I mean, I, I might have been on the edge of it a bit, but and I know that it still goes on today in pockets or maybe in, in vast places uh, right across the world, certainly, but even in the West and even in England, um, I've just been told it's going on impoverishment in terms of food, nutrition. But we seem to have a lot of knowledge and information and a lot of acquisition of things. So when you've got all those things around you, it's very difficult to get clarity. Even within yourself, how, how do you get clarity within yourself if you're always surrounded by people? So that's why through the meditation or just solitude of nature, when you go walking on your own in nature, it can take a while for all those thoughts to kind of come to the top and then disperse, get rid of them. So that calmness or the quietness or even the erratic nature of our minds is there, but you're watching it. It's not always, it's not nice and comfortable to be with, but if you give it time to dissipate, it will. Like a stone that's been thrown in, it will ripple and ripple and ripple. Eventually it will just kind of peter out, you know. These are things that run parallel with the practice of feng shui, is the practice of the inner feng shui as well. I'm sure many listeners might be thinking that it all sounds too good to be true. Is there a catch? 
Well, as I said, you know, to many audiences before, that the only catch is the door of their minds. And that's why I mentioned the, you know, the, the, the Jewish guy, because, you know, lots of people from all different walks of life and backgrounds, they, they have their own way of thinking about a certain thing, but they're not open, they don't open their minds to what if, or could I consider this? Um, is this a, is this a possibility? Um, I mean, the basis of feng shui is five thousand years old anyway, so it's much it's, it's much older. If you wanted to kind of take age as an authority, it's much older than, than many religions today, and it comes from an ancient book of the I Ching, which is the divination of energy um, in our life at any given time in our life, and. There, it stipulates that there are 64 different places that any one of us can be in our life. And it's demonstrating that nothing stays the same and life is always changing. Our cells are always changing. Our minds are always changing. And so rather than resist change, which is why you get the blockage, which is why you get the, the clutter, to create enough space to flow with your ideas, to open your mind, to open your mind to other concepts that may or may not suit you. And so the catch is that you have to undo the catch on your mind and open it up and open up the ideas to function way. And I always say to all my audiences, ever since I've been teaching, I've been teaching a lot of other other subjects besides feng shui, including aromatherapy, and I've, I've also included the five elements of the essential oils. Now, very few people are doing that. But that's because I understand those five elements and how they equate to feng shui. So we all know that when we have a nice flower aroma, it brings out different aspects of us compared to a, a, an earthy aroma. So getting back to the, the feng shui of, is it a catch? I always say to my audiences, please don't believe a word I say. I don't want anyone to believe me at all. What I want people to do is listen to what I say and go and do it, and then come back and something. Fantastic. That's how, that's how confident I am in knowing the huge, massive changes. Even if you just do those three secrets I've already announced to, to you before, if you just did them, your life would change. You feel lighter, sleep better, you feel better within yourself, you feel a little bit more control of your space in and around you. There's even more secrets beyond that that would actually change and give you, help you give a focus. You were saying, you know, you had the difficulty in the in the focus of the book. Later on, maybe at another time, I, I will show you what I did to focus that and make sure that that book was written within, within the year. Well, thank you, because over the years, I've been a course junkie, and probably many of the listeners have, and I start off, and I've done lots of neurobiology of excellent courses. I've done lots of courses to declutter my mind. However, I start off very enthusiastic, and before I know it, everything disappears. Because in the first few days after a course, everything is exciting. I'm really enthusiastic to complete my projects. However, what tips would you give me and other people to stay on top of Feng Shui? Because we'll start it very well, and then I'm sure I will pitter away. Okay, 
So with relate in relation to the clutter, that's an ongoing process for everybody. And I'm in someone's house at the moment actually, and three years ago I gave the leap knowledge, information, what to do. Three years, it's no better. And she, I'm sure she won't mind me saying, but she is blocked. She's got amazing intelligence and mind and ideas, but it's blocked. How many times do I have to say it? And when I actually point it out, it makes them feel really uncomfortable emotionally. So I don't say anything anymore. It's because what it, take, what it takes really bad is when the pain becomes too much that they are forced to act so rather than wait for the pain to get reach high levels set yourself a goal to do one room a week tackle one room a week i've been over to ireland and did a guy worked in a guy's house he's got it's a big rectory we've got six homes six bedrooms five reception rooms downstairs his mother left him with all this unbelievable stuff but each room was jam-packed and he was in emotional pain with it all didn't know what to do didn't have and i went over there and we had some great fun put on the irish music and we had a laugh kind of well let's get rid of this and this mannequin and this and this and gave him a direction and that's often what people need is some emotional support and direction unfortunately this person here doesn't wants to do it themselves, which I understand, you know. Set yourself a direction saying, I'll do one room a week. And so you do it gradually, gradually. You, know, you do it in a compounding way because say you've done three rooms by the third week, then, you know, you start to compound on that amazing space that you've, you've shifted and the energy on it as well. But the other thing is with the space clearing, you can do that on a month-to-month -month basis. You don't have to do that every day. Right. Um, in some, some cultures they do actually, but in this case you can do it on a monster month basis and if there are any kind of conflicts or arguments or bad news or tragedy, then that's a, an opportune time to cleanse the space because you don't want those feelings hanging around for too long. So even if someone is ill, to cleanse, get someone else, not the person who's ill, get someone else to cleanse it so that it lifts the space. You're not, you're not sitting in a, in a basin of despair or depression. And if you are depressed and you feel brave enough to do the space cleansing, then that actually gets you off. It gets you going. And what it does is it connects your mindset with the outside space. And it gets you to take control over, I am let go and I'm cleansing the space from my own feelings. It's not just other people's negativity, but we're all negative. This whole thing of being positive all the time, yeah, it's great, but at the end of the day, when we're all yin and yang, there's a negative to all of us, there's a positive to all of us. And it's about management, time management, management of yourself. So when you are negative, you see it, you feel it, get out there, get your ritual going and cleanse your space. And then as you're cleansing your space, your negativity, it starts to evaporate. It starts to dissipate. I mean, I, I will, you know, in the book I go into detail a bit more about how to do that, and in the courses I get people to show them, you know, what things they need. And it's very simple. It's nothing. It's it, it's very it's very visceral. It's very simple because people have been doing it for centuries. Yeah, it's good that you talked about the indigenous people or 
at the beginning of time there's been so many tribes and either the spirit man or the grandmother of the tribe or the village would pass on important informations and you talked about aromatherapy the grandmother would give her secrets on how to cure various ailments with plants and yeah. so forth and I'm really excited to read your book and I'm also excited about your workshops and courses. I'm really happy that you're coming to Monaco. I know you're talking at one of my ladies lunches. I know you're planning to do a vision board. Can you tell us a few words about that? What we can expect? Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that because it actually also answers the question I don't think I fully answered before about how can you get your focus and how can people get their focus. And this is going to be the ultimate exercise for people to get that focus. And it, it's, what, it's what got me to write the book. Now, it's not going to be, oh, just any old vision board. Cause I, we're not going to be cutting out pictures or anything like that. I haven't asked anyone to bring any magazines because there's an easy one. There's an easier way and a more focused way of doing it. And it's not just any board where you throw up the pictures and hope for the best. Because what I'm going to be demonstrating is the principles of feng shui on the board. And that includes the nine areas of your life and the, using the five elements in nature that feng shui is the foundation, foundation to feng shui is ensuring that you have a balance You've got a balance of those five elements in your in your life and in the in what it is you want in your life. But even more more mystical is really going to be great. What people you know you talk about secrets. What people don't realise about feng shui is that there is a time aspect to it. And what I'm going to be showing people is that there is a flow of energy from one to nine. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm going to show what that flow is on that day and what to put in each box and which element rules that box that has the flow and the influence over that aspect of their life. So that could be their wealth area, it could be their health, relationships, uh, good fortune, travel, communication, creativity, spirituality and above all, I won't mention where this box is based, but taking ultimate responsibility for all the other eight aspects of your life. And each one is assigned an element. So I will be, you know, it's, it's a very focused delivery. And I'm not telling anybody what to put in those boxes, because what we'll be doing is exercises for everyone to go inside themselves. It's not about comparison, what have you got, what have you got because we all want different things and we're all different people. So it's hugely unique to you. And so people will on that day will be accessing within themselves through the, the exercise I do. It's going to be very focused, very pointed, and they're going to drag out of them, well, what is it they want in that area? I'll be telling, showing them what to be putting in box one, box eight, and why, and the flow of that journey in their life. So it will actually address your question is how can I keep maintaining the focus of what I want to achieve when all around me is nothing but distraction. And by the time you've sorted out your vision board, which is also incorporated now a gratitude board, 
as well, then you will have that for yourself and that will surround you and you won't be able to escape what it is that you put up for yourself. The gratitude aspect comes in because there's two different kinds of energy. When you're grateful for something, there's an energy. But when you want something, a different kind of energy, when you want to attract something, you haven't got it. But you want there's a space between you and what it is you want to attract. With gratitude, you've got it. You're going to mingle those two energies together so that when you look at the book, you already feel you've got everything you're grateful for, even though you haven't got it yet. That's wonderful. So by the sounds of it, this talk is going to be vital for absolutely every lady living in the area because you cover so many aspects. And also, I know that uh, you're doing the Feng Shui workshop for two days. People will get a taste of what Feng Shui is about with your talk. And for those who are really keen then to change their life, transform their life, then they can go on to doing your workshop in Monaco. Is that correct? Yes, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I will kind of take them through the process from beginning to end. And the vision board we've just been talking about, they will have an opportunity to superimpose that on their space so that wherever they look, wherever they look, there will be a message and I will show them how to do that. Wonderful. Um, subtly, so they will have, whatever's around them, they can look to the west, the east, the north, the south. 360 degrees, there will be messages around that nobody else needs to know. Only you, because it's a secret, remember. Yes. You will know that you are looking at, that's where I'm going. That's what I'm doing for my health. That's where I'm going for my, for my that's, that's reflecting my wealth and good fortune. That's where I'm being calm. These are all reminders. So this, what you said about focus, this will laser sharp where you want to go. Fabulous. And I think will be all around you. You will be able to escape it. Thank you. And Cathy, would you like to announce your website so people can find out more about you and more about your books and so forth and all the other wonderful events that you're doing and courses? Yes, yeah, it's all on the uh, website, um, www.wealthyspaces.com. And there are um, resources there for people to listen to. I've also, those nine areas of their life, they can go in and there's, a, there's content they can access. But actually, there's nothing better than when they're sharing this knowledge, information with other people. They're actually realizing that everyone's in the same boat and we all, we all want different things. But sharing the insights on the course and making it animated, making it real, and then going back with that material and implementing it. People could even hook up with each other and have accountability partners to see how far you've got with your closet clearing, how far you got, and have you done this, your, your, your cleansing, and, and so on. And uh, as I said to you before, don't believe anything I say. Listen to what I've got yes. and then go and do it. And when you do it, I know I've got testimonials from top business people who's one guy, he went from a one-bedroom flat to a penthouse suite out on the Gold Coast in Australia. Wonderful. So, I know from teaching setting your goals on a business level, when you team up with a buddy, when you're accountable to someone else, 
you I in my my humble experience I find that you're more motivated because you're not only letting yourself down you're letting your buddy down as well so I think it's great because your buddy will encourage you to keep on track so that's wonderful that you support that yeah yeah you've got an accountability partner but, the, but this amazing gratitude and fluctuate mission board is the ultimate accountability reflector because you can't escape it, and you look at it, and, and even if you're not looking at it directly, it's, all, it's, it's got a voice of its own, it's got a power of its own, so even when you're walking past it, it's talking to you, it's saying, remember me, come over here, you know, and yeah. focus. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it, I'm yeah, super excited, fun. so thank you very much for giving up your precious time today, and yeah, sharing you. your wonderful words of wisdom, thank you, thank and you I look forward to I seeing really you soon. It. Thank you.